Thank you so much for joining The Broken Road to Mental Health in Life and in Business. I am your host, Sharon Feckety, the author of The Broken Road to Mental Health in Life and in Business. I hope you will go on Amazon and purchase the book or download it on Audible and listen to the book so you can get some more insight as to why I decided to start this podcast show a few years ago and continue the conversation. You're going to hear from professionals. You're going to hear from people with lived experience, those that struggle with anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation. Uh, You're going to listen to people that have recovered. Uh, You're going to hear resources about how you can navigate through this broken road to mental health and life in a business. And you will certainly be hearing me talk about the importance of having this discussion in business today. That is what I speak about at conferences, and I hope that you will take it seriously. We need to speak more about mental health in the workplace. So thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Please be sure to tell somebody you know that might be struggling to subscribe, to listen, to watch and share it with others. You are not alone on this broken road to mental health. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the broken road to mental health, or welcome to it. If you are new, um, you are in for a really great conversation today with uh, Amy Small. Let me first say hello and welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. So uh, we have been diligently here on the broken road to mental health, been reaching out to all of these bell seal winners. Um, and Amy small is a part of this space that I want to talk about. Um, after we hear a little bit about who Amy small is and why you, um, are in this space of, of helping people feel a little less alone. Yeah, that's a great Take way it away, it. Amy. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, oh, a little bit about me. So I think like a lot of people who are in the mental health space, um, I came into this from a very personal place. So I did not necessarily know at the time, but I do believe that when I was growing up, I was probably struggling with uh, some depression as a, as a teen. Yeah. And When I first, um, all this really first came to light when my dad passed away in 2019. I'm sorry. Thank you. Um, It was a, no, it was a hard, hard few months. It was a lot of travel back and forth between where I live in Atlanta and where my parents are in Florida, caretaking. Um, And after he passed, I did not take a lot of time for myself. Mm -hmm. I sort of went right back to work, threw myself into things to stay busy And as COVID started, you know, six months later, sort of the culmination of not dealing with the grief, Mm. uh, a lot of underlying anxiety and depression that had been there for most of my life got really intense Mm. and manifested itself in disordered eating um, and over-exercising and got to a point where I was pretty unhealthy and it took somebody Um, it took a health professional saying to me, I don't think there's nothing wrong with you from a health standpoint. There's something, I think there's something bigger from a mental health standpoint. Hmm. And she said, beautiful that somebody would, would say that to you. What kind of doctor was that? So she was actually a health coach. Beautiful. And thank you, health coach. Right. Yeah. And the (laughs) reason. Of course, the reason I was working with her is because in 
my disordered eating journey, um, I thought I needed to lose more weight still. And so I was working with a nutritionist and a health coach and all of this to try to continue uh, molding my body into what I thought it needed to be. Mm. And there came a point where she's like, this, this path that you're on, this isn't, there's another path that you need to be exploring. Mm. And that was a bit of a, while it was a realization, it was also a, yeah, I probably knew that in the back of my head somewhere and have been fighting it for a really long time, fighting that acknowledgement. So that, that was the kickoff, I suppose, of like, this is something that I really need to do for myself. And in the journey of working through the eating issues and the body image issues, I started going back to therapy um, for the grieving, for the depression, the anxiety, and working through all of those at the same time was quite a lot. Mm. But I actually think having to deal with them all at once, almost in a way, was a really good thing. Because it, it was like, here's this buffet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's let's go one by one. We're gonna, you know, they're all here. You see them all laid out in front of you. Let's do the work to get through them. So to stay with the buffet reference, let's not take and put the whole pile on the plate at once. Right. We're just gonna take a little bit of that one dessert. And then we're going to go back and get another one and then go back and I love, love that crazy analogy. Yeah. Good. And it was, um, it was sort of a, like a year and a half, two year, I feel like very intense personal work period for me. Hmm. And during that time, I did a lot of reflecting on things in the past on how, at home relationships were impacting me, how work relationships were impacting me, as well as past employers, things Mm -hmm. that had happened in the past, things, you know, from childhood and all of that. And one of the big things that I realized was just how much I work in advertising and the inherent stress of the industry, you sort of take it for granted. Mm. And I realized that I could not just take that for granted as, oh, that's just a part of what I do. Yeah. And that I had had to actually look at that and think, what is its impact on me? And in recognizing that, what is its impact on the people around me and the workforce in general? Oh my goodness. That's so, it was, first of all, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, And I am very sorry to hear about your dad. Um, that is, you know, 2019, if we took that little timeline, as soon as you said it happened in 2019, I'm like, oh boy. And then we are hit with like our own thoughts for a while. (laughs) Right. And I had shared with you before we hit record that, you know, the reason this podcast is in existence today is because I was thinking about, which is very typical of my own healing work that I need to do that I am doing is oh, I feel so strongly about what everybody else is going through. Let's have this conversation. And at the same time, I was uh, facing all of the trauma that I had written about in my book. So I had written, I had pushed down so much trauma of what I had gone through as a young adult. And then I wrote about it. And then I released it into the world. And then I was speaking about it everywhere. And then the shutdown happened. 
And I went from, and I will use this as a, you know, kind of an analogy of, I used to do um, quiet meditation. Um, I've been, you know, on a spiritual journey for a very long time now, being sober as long as I have been. Uh, And I could not, there was too much noise. Mm. So I have been doing guided meditation since the beginning of the pandemic, because the noise is still there. It's a lot quieter. But there was so much and there was so much trauma and there was so many horrible things happening in the world and your own personal grief and people losing people and then the anger and the violence. And when you are in that and then you still have to make a living. Yes. Girl. And support (laughs) kids. I've got two kids and it's just. So much. It was very, lots of depth in that, that period of time. Yeah. So how, where are you today? Let's talk about, so we've, we've given you all a little bit of a, it sounds very nicely packaged, um, but (laughs) it's been a long few years and a lot of healing. I'm quite sure. Where are you today? Um, I think I will always be like you said earlier, always be in the process of healing and in the process of recovery. It's, I'm still, um, for quite a while, I was working with an amazing coach. I switched from traditional CBT therapy to coaching Mm. because I wanted a little bit more support on the piece of going forward Mm, and not just looking back. And that was incredibly supportive. And Work through working with her. Um, I'm now doing somatic therapy, nice, which I love, and that feels like a really great evolution in my healing process. Kind of getting out of my head a little mm-hmm. bit more, and the thoughts, um, and the circular rumination sometimes, and trying to feel where these things show up in my body and process mm-hmm. the energy and the emotions a little bit differently. Yeah. That's been wonderful for me and really supportive. Um, from the disordered eating place, I am, I'm going to knock on wood. I'm in a really good spot. Yay. I am still struggling with a little bit of body image, but I will say it's like night and day. Um, That's great. I'm in a place where I can honor my hunger. I can honor if I want a burger, mm-hmm. like I listen to my body. And say, okay, that's what I'm going to go have for lunch today. Yeah. Without the guilt or the shame, or, you know, I was doing, I was like the macro counting and tracking. And if I eat this today, that means I can't eat something tomorrow. And I've got to work out for an hour instead of, it was like incredibly punishing and harmful to my body. And I've come to a place where I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to treat you with respect. And sometimes that's still hard, but I try to still come back to that. Like, this is what I've got. I gave birth to two kids. My body is good. And if you need whatever you need, I'm going to give it to you. You know, Amy, that is such a big um, conversation right there. Just that little nugget that you gave us. Uh, And uh, I don't talk about it even too much myself. I think I did for a period because I went through you know, as somebody that's been sober for a long time, guess what, everybody, you know, our addictions shift into other spaces. And I, uh, and I, I talked about this a lot in my book about how 
um, in the beginning of starting my own business 10 years ago, that I was told the, the only way to really separate yourself was like, and how you look and how you present. And so I, I took that very seriously. I was like, okay, <laughs> got to lose some weight. That's the first thing, right? So I was, um, you know, I was a size zero uh, for a time. And man, did I go through so many different dieting and restricting. And um, and it was very, I didn't realize how sick it was, of course, yeah. how um, how much that was affecting my, my brain and my body and the acceptance space that I have finally gotten to myself. But it really took, like you mentioned, like it took professionals, oh, sure. right? I mean, it takes, you have to have the courage to say, you know what? I need some help. I need to talk to somebody about this and I need to get to a place where I am okay having a cheeseburger. Yeah. And it totally, like, it completely takes professional help. It takes therapists, it takes coaches, it takes people in your life that you feel like you can share that with and share the struggle. It's, it's not a solitary path at all. No, no, there's not just one thing. I was telling somebody else uh, earlier today that, you know, I really have to love what I, on Thursdays, all I do is interview. So I interview for two different shows and I'm very purposeful in who I have these conversations with. So I'm very grateful that um, we are having this conversation today, but I had taken a walk and I had seen um, two dolphins. I'm in Florida, two dolphins, um, a bunny rabbit, uh, a turtle. (laughs) And I was in this, the most beautiful park. And I said, I really have to love Mm. what I do to leave this park. (laughs) And I do. I'm so grateful that I love what I get to do every day. Um, and especially on this day in particular and have these conversations because um, this mission-driven digital agency um, that helps nonprofits grow and accelerate impact um, is, you know, is something that I want to talk about. If you are a sober woman like me, you absolutely hate that there are no other options at that business event you have to go to, that happy hour event with no other choices except soda and water. You don't even really have a mocktail on the menu and I don't really trust it sometimes because I am a sober woman, no alcohol intake. Well, you are so lucky because if you live here in Tampa Bay, we have a beautiful space called Urban Flow that is a non-alcoholic beverage haven. So I'm just going to show you a few of my favorites if you're watching. This one is Hayo. This one is Rockaway, obviously, because I'm from East Rockaway, Long Island, New York. And this one is Busty Lush. Okay. Non-alcoholic beer, woman-owned. This one here is an example of a beer that I would not drink because it's got low alcohol, 0.5%, but I wouldn't touch a drop of alcohol. So I stick to the ones that are absolutely non-alcoholic and they're delicious and they're functional. And this space is right here in Tampa Bay. So if you're looking for a refreshing and a unique selection of functional drinks, oh my God, that are so delicious, check out Urban Flow, baby. I want to talk about the spaces that we choose to spend our time in 
<laughs> the big deal, not just like who we end up marrying, who, where our kids go to school, but where we work all day long. Um, if we are not doing something that fulfills us on a, a level that will keep us there for a while in 2023, when we have all of these incredible options and we need leaders that are willing to have these conversations, um, we, and I will just divulge to the audience that might be watching or listening is that every bell seal winner, which I want you to talk about, Amy, um, that has won this bell seal. We have reached out to every single one. That's a lot of people. And, uh, you are one of two that have responded. So I'm very grateful that you're here having this conversation. I'm a little bit like, what the hell's going on? How come more people have won this? That's a bigger question. And we're in the follow-up stage of everybody. So maybe they just needed to hear somebody come on the show before they said yes to us. I don't know what that is, but um, can you tell us a little bit about what the bell seal is and why that was important um, for you and the company um, that you are in get that seal? Yeah, absolutely. So the Bell Seal certification um, is a certification by Mental Health America that they award to companies who are showing a commitment to positive mental health practices, policies, um, and change within workplaces. And it was a relatively rigorous process to go through the certification. Yeah. They asked uh, a lot of things about, um, of course, all the standard things like healthcare coverage, but then also taking into consideration how many people are using your EAP. Um, Which is Employee Assistance Program, if somebody doesn't know that. Thank you. You're welcome. And EAP saved my life. It's in my book. <laughs> so that's why I always, like literally yep. an EAP saved my life. So go I ahead. I myself too. Yes. Um, there's a lot they ask about proof that what you're doing has had an impact on people on the team. And so they're looking for data rather than just sort of anecdotally, oh, we have this program or we've started this initiative. And as part of what we have done at Media Cause, uh, our program, or I'll say our, I don't even want to call it a program because we're really trying to integrate this into all aspects of the agency. Nice. It's called whole being. Mm. And there are four pillars to the program. It's whole mind, which is mental and emotional health, whole body, which is physical health, whole heart, which is spiritual and community health, and whole living, which is family and financial health. Mm. So it really touches all of the different pillars, all of the different aspects of an employee, of the agency, of the community that we're in. And we run surveys multiple times a year um, on how this is working. And so we were able to pull a lot of the data, uh, improvement in scores on things like I feel like I'm able to talk to my manager about mental health challenges, mm. or I feel like I have the resources and I know where to go when I need support. And so we were able to actually see that from the time before we implemented all of these pillars to um, about a year, 18 months into the program, we were finding significant change in those numbers and that they were, you know, growing on the positive nice. side. It's, Working in advertising and marketing, like I mentioned earlier, it's an incredibly stressful, high demand, high judgment space in the first yes. place. Yes. And then you layer on that we work only with nonprofits and a lot of the clients we work with, the subject matter is incredibly, incredibly heavy and emotionally taxing. Mm. So 
you know, when we're working on um, homelessness in the San Francisco Bay Area or bullying and uh, AAPI bullying in schools, um, we get so immersed in talking to the people in the communities who this is affecting that it's really hard for that not to affect the mental health, our own mental health too. Totally. So you, yeah. So like you layer on both sides of that and there's a really strong need for us to have that support system in place for everybody in the agency. So it was really important for us that we make sure that we've got the practices, we've got the conversations, we've got the policies, we've got everything um, so that our, our teams can be healthy. And when they're struggling, that there is a safety and an ability to raise their hand and say, I'm having a really hard time. I need help. Yeah. So how many employees are there at your company? We, I believe are, either 67 or 68 employees. Okay. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and so how do you feel? Because mental health at work is such a great topic. <laughs> And um, I just delivered a, a keynote called Does Mental Health Live in Your Workplace? And it was not easy to even have that title. Um, there was a lot of back and forth just about that title. They didn't want to have it mental health in the title mm. because uh, they were afraid of um, the pushback that they really? would get. <laughs> really? I know. It'll be part of my next keynote. Um, about how difficult it is to have big conversations about mental health in the workplace. So, uh, and I had mentioned when you said EAP, of course, you know, uh, there's a chapter in my, my book dedicated to my EAP, my dad's EAP, Tuesdays uh, with Ben. And um, the reason why I want to talk about it so on such a big level, big stage, is because you know, if an EAP counselor who was in my father's company when I was going through my deepest, darkest days of addiction and depression was able to ask me the question that saved my life, why aren't we encouraging this more? Why aren't we encouraging employee assistance programs, health coaches, mental health coaches doing these kind of surveys I mean, I think, you know, um, all these silver linings about the pandemic is like, I don't think many companies have a choice even anymore. If you're not having these conversations, um, the generations beneath me, you, they're not going to even tolerate it. You know, they're not going to tolerate the same toxicity that, that I grew up in, in the workplace with. Um, so these, so I, oh, I'm, I'm always curious about like how the space is within an organization besides just being a bell seal winner, which is a phenomenal <laughs> accomplishment. I, I would assume you're very proud. Yes. Right. Like uh, that. Totally. Yeah. Like I want one. <laughs> um, there's only two of us in my company. So, <laughs> you know, I, I do think that showing that, but then also because I've worked in medical for so long, I know that I can pay a company to um, give us best doctor plaques 
And this right. is very like in my twenties and we used to like hang them up in the offices. I would just have to pay something and I'd fax, you know, <laughs> that, yeah, they are the greatest doctors, but what, how does it really translate into the workforce? And is there a significant shift within your employees? Do you feel since you've started implementing this work that you're doing? I do think there is. I think one of the largest shifts has been the willingness to have the conversations. Right. We have once a month, we have well-being roundtables that I facilitate mm-hmm. and the topics vary greatly. So we've done some, uh, some lighter things. We did one on Enneagrams, you know, understanding yes. your own personality, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And then we've done some that have been pretty heavy. Um, one was all about like mental health inequity. Yeah. And the barriers that different folks within the team have faced based on their identities or um, any other any other situations that might have made access to healthcare hard or finding the right therapist or um, cost barriers. And so what I've seen is that since we've started whole being and we've had more trainings, more support, more encouragement from leadership to be open we've had more people willing to join that conversation too Mm. so where we have had some amazing amazing stories being shared um individuals who have raised their hands and said i want to talk about my journey because i think that might be helpful to somebody else Mm. and the community the rest of everybody in the agency has been not only grateful for that sharing, but incredibly supportive in response to it, raising Mm. their own hands to say, thank you. How can we support you? Yes. Are there things that we can do um, to make things better? Are there things that you need from us that you maybe haven't asked for? Please know that it's comfortable, like be comfortable asking. It's okay. We want to help. So that's been like that, that shift, I think, has been just as phenomenal and crucial as the actual programs and resources that we've put in place, just the willingness mm-hmm. for people to be able to, to say, I'm here or I need help. You know, it is uh, sometimes I can't believe how simple it is Yeah, to be able to say, I too have struggled as a leader, as somebody that is willing to just share a piece of their story. That's why I always tell people like, tell your story. Yes. Cause you, I mean, what you started with all of it, you know, rang true for myself. I, I, and I know that people watching and listening, especially women have had the same um, issues that you and I have had. Um, and then when I hear too, like, a, I mean, a woman that has a, a human dropped out of your body and we're still <laughs> like, we're like, still, right. How can we do that to ourselves? It ha- it's gotta be a bigger issue. So recognizing it in somebody else and then being able to say, yeah, you know, I, I often say, you know, that whole me too movement is a thing, you know, like not just about that movement, but yeah, me too. I have felt the way that you have felt. So it's totally okay for you not to be okay. Absolutely. 
And you're going to be so much more okay when you start talking about that, because you're going to see how that, that human connection um, develops this greater community within your workplace, within your own community that you live in. And, uh, and the vulnerability from, from leadership is, is crucial today. You know, it's crucial. Uh, I always put up one of my slides, um, like, don't listen to my advice. I'm not taking it. (laughs) Yeah. So we really have to, if we want to encourage that in our own spaces, we have to be practicing it ourselves. And yeah. it, it's a lot of work, right, Amy? It, it's a lot of work. I mean, and there are small pieces. Um, one of the things that we've started doing now is if you've got therapy appointment during the day, block it as like, it is okay to put it on your work calendar and say therapy. Please put it on the work calendar. Yes. Like, yes. you don't have to make it private. You don't have to anonymize it. This is you doing something good for you be proud of it. Yes. I love nothing more than to do a reel on Instagram with me walking into my therapist's office. So as many people as possible can see that I actually don't have all the answers. Yeah. Contrary to popular belief, I need help. We all need help. We all do. We are all works in progress. Progress, not perfection, Amy, right? I'm sure you've heard the same. I love that you, um, you've you studied positive psychology, mindfulness-based stress reduction, uh, mindful self-compassion, that you've received certifications um, from the Center for Compassionate Leadership. Like, can everybody join this thing? Like, we need more compassionate leadership. So, Amy... I am so grateful that you were able to come here and give us this time today and encourage others to, you know, create a space, uh, a courageous, psychologically safe space for others to, you know, not be okay and work on being okay. Yeah. And work on it together. That's it. Amy, thank you so much. All of the information to learn more will be in the show notes. I appreciate you and congratulations on the bell seal. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. If you live here in Tampa Bay, we have a beautiful space called Urban Flow that is a non-alcoholic beverage haven. If you're looking for a refreshing and a unique selection of functional drinks, oh my God, that are so delicious. Check out Urban Flow, baby.